The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. No labor is the same. Your labor is not going to be the same as your best friends. It's not going to be the same as your sister's. So when you go in there with that mindset of your labor going to replicate theirs, you're going to get disappointed. You know, you have to own that your labor story is your story. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hi guys, happy Monday. So during Sunday story questions a couple of months ago, one of you guys asked if I had ever worked with a male labor and delivery nurse before. I knew that they existed, but I actually hadn't ever connected with one, if you can believe that. So naturally that got me super curious about what it's like to be a male labor and delivery nurse and what it's like working in a predominantly female-based field. Well, I put out a little box on Instagram asking a male L&D nurse to connect, and that's how I met this week's podcast guest, AJ. You guys are absolutely going to love AJ. He was so much fun to chat with, and he's also hilarious. (laughs) I thought he was the perfect person to join me this week, and I can't wait for you guys to listen. So let's dive right in. So tell me, are you one of an estimated 80% of pregnant women that's hoping to give birth without an epidural? I hate to break it to you, but simply wanting it might not be enough. After the unmedicated birth of my first son, Walter, I knew I had to create an affordable online birth class designed just for moms that wanted to do the same. And that's how Birth It Up, the natural series was born. Learn more about how to make your dream of a natural hospital birth a reality at mommylabornurse.com slash natural birth. You can totally do this and we can help. Hi, AJ. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, we have a pretty cool episode today uh, for you guys. I said in the intro that AJ is a not a mommy labor nurse. <laughs> I almost said he's a mommy <laughs> labor nurse employee. No, you're not. But you are a labor and delivery nurse and you're a guy. So I thought it would be fun to have you on this podcast and just talk some labor and delivery kind of stuff because you know, not very many of you, I think, exist in the world, which I mean, it is what it is, but it's pretty cool to talk to someone like you. So can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from, your family, all the good stuff? So my name is AJ and I live here in Chicago with my husband and our two kids. They are two and three years old. And Aww. I have been a labor and delivery nurse for eight years now. So just shy of a decade. Wow. Um, I, 
graduated from Rush University with my master's in nursing and immediately went into OB nursing, L&D, postpartum, antepartum, that yeah. whole. <laughs> yeah. And I've been doing it ever since. And it's been such a joy, such a great career, so rewarding. I've been doing that and <laughs> it's it's been truly wonderful. It really has. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, we're going to talk about all of that good stuff today. So I guess, firstly, like, what is it like for your patients, maybe like being a male nurse? Like, do you ever get any pushback? Or do you, I guess, like, what is it like? And what is it like working with other employees? Do you work with any other male L&D nurses? Or have you ever? So I have never worked with other male L&D nurses. I have had one male midwife that mm-hmm. okay. came and covered some of our residents on a specific day, but hardly ever saw him. But in my like eight years, not one other male nurse. There was one male NICU nurse once that I worked with, but mm-hmm. I am the only one I know of, especially like in Chicago. I think at least that I know of, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've bounced around, you know, a few places as far as like, as I also used to teach OB okay. and I have met one yet, but yeah. it has been, you know, surprisingly not what most people would think. Most people would think you would get a lot of pushback and I don't, you know, in the beginning, starting as a labor and delivery nurse, I was really worried about that, that, you know, I was gonna say, would, like that there would be patients that would just always say no, like, or I would just never like get a patient because everyone would say yeah. no. Yeah. You know, but it only happens with patients who have a religious reason for not having a male nurse. I was going to say, that's the only time when we have issues, you know, here at my hospital is like the anesthesiologist is a male. They, you know, would want a female or even, you know, the doctors, the residents that I work with, a lot of them are male. So exactly. I understand that from that standpoint. So it's usually like when... It's never, I don't want a male nurse. It's usually just no males entirely at all, which we always try to accommodate for if we can. Of course, if there's an emergency, you know, it's one of those things where like, you know, I'm sorry, but this is an emergency and we only have so many hands here, you know, and I happen to be one of the hands. So, so no, I don't want to say never because it has happened before. Yeah, of course. (laughs) There There has been patients in the past who have said, I don't want a male nurse and not for religious reason, but just because it was their preference and we always respect it, but I can count less on than on one hand, the number number of times that that's happened. And I've been doing this for eight years. And I think like, you know, when you initially go into a room and they see you and you're a male nurse first, they think that you're either the resident or or the OB. Initially, that's what they think, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is not fair for someone to think that right away that you're you're a physician just because you're a male I hate that but I always recruit them and say actually no I'm your nurse and I'm going to be with you today and see this little RN right here yeah right (laughs) you know in it prior to the pandemic you know you would get to see that expression a little bit more now it's just Uh the eyes and you have to read the eyes yeah um, (laughs) for the most part like you know you at first you would get people like kind of like you know their eyes would be like okay or you would like the husband would kind of be like oh you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but after you you know do your introduction you start talking to them and they start realizing like okay you know he's not you know this is not he's not a threatening person like yeah he's actually like a really nice guy and I mean you yes. seem very I've only just met you but you seem like you give good bedside manner and you give good patient care so I'm sure it I is that a lot, you so. probably <laughs> like initially they're like uh but then once you actually start assessing them and start talking to them it's like no big deal 
Yes. And honestly, not to toot my own horn, but I have never had a patient Go complain. Go ahead. <laughs> have, I've never had a patient have a personal issue with me ever. Saying, yeah. I don't like him. He's not a good nurse. Like he, you know, he's mean or whatnot. Like all of my patients usually absolutely love me. I bond well with them. And I think it's because I try to show them like, yeah. you know, as a mill nurse, I want to be a good example and say like, look, you know, I'm not here to stare at your privates, yeah. you know, and to be inappropriate. My, my job is to take care of you. And yeah. I can do that as a guy, you know? So yeah. I really make it a point to kind of be a good example for future male nurses or for any other encounters they might have with another male nurse. Love it. Love it. Well, let's, I'm curious. I know you mentioned in the beginning that you kind of started off in postpartum L&D maternity type nursing. So I want to know what got you even interested in L&D. Okay. So I was one of those, I got my bachelor's degree in biology, Mm -hmm. got close to my senior year and was finishing and I had no idea what I was going to do. You know, I thought I was going to go to med school, didn't know if that was for me, and then thought about going to dental school, still didn't realize that that was something I was passionate about at all. And so my brother was the one who kind of said, well, why don't you try nursing? Because his Mm -hmm. wife was a nurse. And he said, you will get exposure to the medical field, you'll see all different types of patients. And you can kind of go from there and see like what you like and what you don't like. And maybe the medical field is not for you. Mm -hmm. So I had received my bachelor's. And so I went to Rush University to do their general entry master's program, which is an accelerated master's program. There's like a few of them, I think that are available, super rigorous, very difficult. But I went into that thinking I was for sure going to end up in either ER or ICU, you know, not L&D, not PEDS, you know, maybe psych, you know, so those are things that were on, you know, my horizon was psych, an ER, I think, partway through it. And then I had my OB rotation and I had one of those very straightforward, multip, delivered really quick, no mm-hmm. issues. She was a young mom, so pushed very little. You know, one of those mm-hmm. like awesome deliveries. Quick and easy like, and amazing, yes. yeah. You know, a nurse's dream delivery, right? Yes. So, <laughs> Yeah, I had someone in my story ask story questions the other day, like, do you guys get overwhelmed or mad when someone comes in and they just deliver really quick? And I'm like, no, we love those. That's like the dream patient. Right, exactly. Those (laughs) those precepts are our favorite. You're like, quick and done, you know, we're good. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, you know, when the baby comes out, fine. But yeah, (laughs) right, right. (laughs) But yeah, I had one of those deliveries and I just like sat there in awe, just like, I just saw a baby born and I was like, this is for me. This is what I need to do. And so I, you know, made sure I discussed that with my, you know, my instructors in nursing school and letting them know that this is something I'm interested in. Is it possible for me to do this? Because I know I'm a guy and, you know, they said, you know, we had a male nurse graduate from here several years ago and he's over in California now and he's doing great. And totally, this is something you can do. So one of the instructors there, she was our lab instructor and she also used to do the birthing classes. So she kind of asked me to come on with her and help with the birthing classes. And so I did a couple of the birthing classes with her and I got some feedback that was not great. Uh oh. There was, it wasn't like a lot of bad feedback because I was a nursing student, right? So like yeah, I'm just trying, you know, because she had us do presentations about, you know, postpartum and, you uh-huh. know, and then what to expect in the hospital. And there was one patient who said specifically, like, he is a boy. He can never understand what we're going through. 
So how could he be in this field? This is not for him. You know, I would never want him as my nurse. And as a novice student, I said, okay, fine. I don't think I'm going to do this. Like maybe I should decide something else. And she said, don't let this discourage you because you're going to face this in any specialty you go to. Someone might just say like, you're not cut out for this. And it's not, it has nothing to do with you. Sometimes it's just that one interaction that you had. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I kept going. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to do this. I graduated. And as a new grad, finding a job, you would think as a new grad, nurse would be simple, especially now during a pandemic when, no. you know, <laughs> no. when you need, you know, their nurses needed everywhere. But at that time there wasn't a pandemic. This was back yeah. in 2013. So yeah. finding a job out of nursing school was really hard. So you sent applications everywhere and I got an interview for a psych position. And, you know, I had sent a few applications in for L and D also, but never heard anything back because they usually wanted an experienced nurse. But HR there looked at my portfolio and said, it looks like you have a strong interest for L&D. I have an interview available for, you know, I have a position available for L&D. I can get you an interview there. I'm not going to guarantee that you're going to get it because they are looking for an experienced nurse. Mm -hmm. But I think having an MSN and then just my interview in general, she really liked me. I got a position and I worked there for about a year and transferred to another hospital afterwards. But Mm -hmm. it was my experience as a nurse in school that really pushed me in that direction. Just seeing a a delivery and seeing a beautiful delivery itself, you know, was what got got me hooked. So. That's amazing. Yeah, I had a similar experience in nursing school too. had a delivery. I mean, I knew kind of before nursing school that I wanted to go into LMD just because I've always been interested in, you know, just pregnancy and obstetrics and everything. But it was really kind of that that solidified it. So that's cool that you had a similar experience. Well, I want to know what if you have one, what is your favorite part about being an LMD nurse or maybe your favorite patient to take care of, like type of patient? Favorite type of patient. Okay. <laughs> I personally connect really, really strongly with IVF patients. I really do. And that's because my husband and I, you know, we, we went through a surrogacy to have our mm-hmm. son, who was our first child. And that was a really long, long journey mm-hmm. to have him. And so I really can empathize with that struggle of going through an IVF journey. And I think that when it is successful, and even when it's not successful, I've had patients doing IVF who come in with miscarriages and, yeah. you know, but those are the patients that I truly, you know, bond well with because I feel for them, you know, and I know that how much work goes into that and how much anticipation and letdowns and, you know, all that. And so those are the patients that I think I enjoy the most and bond with the most for sure. But yeah, I also like, you know, I worked at another hospital before working at St. Joe's and the patient population there was much younger. Mm-hmm. And those are another, like, I really, you know, not you know, that I'm like, teen pregnancy is the way to go, but. I, yes, you know, yes. I love those patients too. They, you almost like grasp onto them and you feel like you help them. So I had a patient a couple weeks ago of last, was it last weekend? Yeah. That I had a patient. It was a similar situation when she was younger. Right. It was her first baby and she wanted to go, you know, unmedicated. So I just kind of like, right. you just grasp onto <laughs> them and you're like, let me take you on this journey. <laughs> like we yeah, can do just, this like, together. Really want to take care of them. Yes. You know, they're so vulnerable, but also like, I feel like as this is another part of being a male nurse, I think is, I think I like, when I do take care of them, it kind of gives them just a good example of like, mm-hmm. You know, I try to be a good example of a guy for them, you know, like, like this is an example of a guy who's going to take care of you, right? Like someone that 
Yeah. You want someone who's going to be there for you. And like a lot of, cause a lot of these teenagers, the dad's not involved. Right. Or yeah. he doesn't show up. Right. And so, yeah, or maybe he is there, but he's not there. There. Exactly. You know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think those are definitely the patients that I, I do well with the most. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, let's kind of switch gears and talk about some boundaries. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit in the beginning. And you said that sometimes people have religious issues that they are, you know, not cool with males being in the room. So have you ever had any sort of other boundary issues that you face with certain patients, or maybe you can elaborate more on the religious aspect? Yeah. So it's typically patients with a Muslim faith and they you know, in general, because they are, we call, we call them modest patients because right. they say that, you know, label them as modesty. And, you know, you can kind of spot them when they come in because usually their hair is covered or they're entirely covered mm-hmm. and you do your best to be as respectful to them because you know that that is an important part of their religion. And I would say that I know for a fact that this irritates a lot of <laughs> nurses I work with. Because a patient will come in and say, I'm the next admin, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get the next patient, AJ, right? And yeah, it's your turn. She comes in and she's modest. And then they're like, okay, well, we got to switch things up. And sometimes yeah. it makes things difficult. And I really appreciate like the nurses I work with for not giving me a hard time about it. Cause they know, I mean, it's not my fault. I can't do anything about it, but, it's, right. but I would take care of them if I could. But if they're saying no, then we have to respect that. And we, you know, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for them having to switch up the assignment. And that's something I think people should know is that when that does happen, when you do refuse a nurse, you should be aware of the fact that they have to switch their whole assignment up. The whole floor needs to get switched up. So it does yeah. cause a little bit of issues, but, but yeah, so like that's, Primarily the patient that we get that, and I've had cases before where we didn't have anyone else available, right? So I had to take care of them. And so what I, I tell them is that like, and this is usually like, so for example, like in a postpartum setting, I will say, I will come in and help you and I will not do any breast examination or I will not do any vaginal examination. I'm going to have the resident come in and do that, but mm-hmm. otherwise I'm going to help you entirely as far as like your pain medication goes, anything with the baby, taking care of, you know, changing the diaper and any education that you need, those sort of things I can help you with. But I won't do, you know, any assessment on the areas that you know that you for sure don't want me to look at. And I've had, I've had situations before where people were really receptive to that, where they were like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm totally fine with that. As long as you are not assessing my breast, you're not assessing my vagina. Seems reasonable. You know? Yeah. Right. You yeah. Know? But again, it's part of my job to do those things. So it's right. like, I have to make sure I have someone available to me who's going to do that and who's going to be okay with doing that. And you know, who can do it properly the way that you need it to be done. That we're supposed yes. to do it. Exactly. Yes. And I, you know, I've had a case before where someone who was not modest, who said like, I just don't want him looking at my vagina. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> everyone's the, going to. It's kind of where, happen. yeah, right. <laughs> and... <laughs> This kind of takes me to like the funny thing is when a patient comes in and they're just full on active labor mm-hmm. at that point, I know some a patient that maybe would have said like preferred not a male nurse. They don't care at that point. They're Never. like, I don't <laughs> care. You know, like, I don't care who's in here. Baby out. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't say I, I come across a lot of like boundary issues for sure. As a male nurse, no, I'm never anyone who's like hitting on me or anything like that. I was going to um, ask that too. Is there ever, is that, has there ever been I that have, situation for you? 
Okay, so I have a funny story. There is a funny story. So as you know, when we do epidurals, right, Mm -hmm. we are really up and close and personal with patients during that moment, right? We're holding their hands, sometimes hugging them. They're hugging us. And I had a patient, she just didn't know what to do with her arms. They were just, every time she had a contraction, they were like everywhere. She was grabbing my arm, grabbing my wrist, grabbing my butt. Like, you know, Uh just like couldn't figure it out. And at one point, I think she like had her hands in her lap and then she had a contraction. She like kind of leaped forward and she full on grabbed my crotch. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And I went like, like, and then, you know, like she moved her hand quickly. And then after the, at the end, she goes, I'm so sorry. I grabbed your wiener. (laughs) And I go, it's okay. You know, she's like. And I kind of say like it's happened before, but it really. But it hasn't. Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably <laughs> what, I, what I would have said. <laughs> but you know, like that was the one time that something as like I would say inappropriate happened, yeah. but it wasn't. It wasn't intentional. You know, yeah. she knew like. <laughs> that is so yeah. funny. And I yeah, think, I can't. You know, most, I was just gonna say I can't. Meet, go ahead. I keep interrupting I'm, you. Most patients, when they meet me, they know that I'm gay. You know, like I, yeah. I you know, yeah. I just have that persona and I think they know like okay he's gay like I'm not gonna go <laughs> I'm not gonna hit on him or whatever right but, but yeah I think that also helps with part of the bonding too and them getting over the fact that I am a male nurse or like all right he's not interested in me in that way so it's fine <laughs> right right I mean I think that's worth something to say to, yeah. you know to say that and I, and mean, I know I that would... there are other male OB nurses out there that aren't gay for that sure. aren't gay right that's what I was gonna say there are definitely probably you know them out there. Um, yes. so that's probably worth, and I mean, that might make them a little bit more comfortable that you are. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that as being gay, you're like, okay, this is, you know, my favor, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, I work with several male OBGYNs and none of them are gay, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, there's all these male OB, OB guy. And so if there's, if you see a male physician, why not see a male nurse right like isn't it odd I know I was going to ask your opinion on that in the next question of like there's so many OB rep we work at a I work at a hospital that we do we have residents and it sounds mm-hmm. like that you guys work with residents too and there's so many male OBGYNs so it's like it's odd that there's this weird like nursing is there's not a right. lot of male LMD nurses so I don't know if you exactly. had any opinion on like why that exists I think it's just because, so like nursing has been like a coined of a feminine role, yes. right? Yes. It's because from as long ago, you know, like mm-hmm. nurses developed from sisters, you know, from nuns right. and then kind of took that course. And it's within only the, like the last century that there was, there's been male nurses, right? So True. I just think that it, there's that association that if you're a male and you work in the medical field, you have to be a physician, mm-hmm. Right. There's no way that you're a nurse. Yeah. And then when you are a nurse, it's surprising to people. They're like, oh, have you even had like some of the physicians say like, well, why didn't you just go to medical school? Interesting. <laughs> you know, like, like why didn't you go physician. into why didn't you go into business? You know, yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not the route that I went. You know, that's not the field I, I chose. So I do th- sometimes, you know, especially now, I think it's surprising when people ask that question because it's like in the day in day and age we live now, it's like there are so many male nurses now. Yeah. So like, totally. why is it so surprising to you? <laughs> totally, totally. And which is good. I see like as a male L&D nurse, it can be surprising because, you know, it's maternal newborn work, mm-hmm. right? 
And I feel mostly that it's, that is because a lot of male nurses are afraid of going into that field. Ah, good point. I've had students, because I worked as a clinical instructor for a while, and I've had students that I knew that they were interested in it, but they didn't pursue it. And I think it's because they still felt like I can't do this because, you know, people are going to make comments and I'm going to feel uncomfortable, you know, and even from straight males that Mm -hmm. say like, you know, I just don't feel comfortable staring at another woman's vagina, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think it's just something they have to, to get past and say like, okay, well, like there's OBs that do this all day long. You're not just staring at someone's vagina. You're helping them have a baby, you know, you're helping them become a family, you know, right. adding to their lives. It's not, it's this is the example I say. at all. Right. Like just because you're not an amputee doesn't mean that you can't take care of someone who is, right? Exactly. Someone who is having liver failure. You've never had liver failure, but you're taking care of them, right? Like exactly. just because you don't have a vagina doesn't mean you can't take care of someone with a vagina, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Totally. That's a great point. That's a great point. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. (laughs) This Birth It Up Baby is from Instagram, and she says, I was induced on 9-7, September 7th, at 8 p.m. with Cervidil at just a fingertip dilation. Almost immediately, contractions started and progressed throughout the night. I got no sleep, and by the morning, I was still only one centimeter. They started me on oxytocin at 8 a.m. By 4 p.m., I had only dilated to two centimeters, a little sad face she put. They wanted to start a Foley bulb next. I had gotten maybe two hours of sleep in a 24-hour period. I told them I wanted an epidural just to get some sleep. They fought me a little bit and said the Foley bulb would be best, but I stood my ground listening to my gut and got the epidural. Your tips on how to arch my back and breathe helped so much. At 6 p.m., one hour after getting the epidural placed and checked again, I jumped to five centimeters and my water was broken. By 10 p.m., I was 10 centimeters. Amazing progress. I told them I wanted my body to do some of the work and let the contractions push him down. I started pushing around 11 p.m. and by 11.40, he was crowning. Crowning to delivery was just one push. Wow. (laughs) 20 inches, eight pounds, perfect baby boy. Your class podcasts and tips provide me with so much confidence to make the decision I felt were best for us. I got several compliments from the nurses about how much I knew and how prepared for labor I was. And as much as he complained about it, my hubby was really glad he watched your videos with me and knew what was going to happen and what he could do to help me. I do not take offense to that at all. I know how partners can be. with watching long videos. I cannot thank you enough for everything you put into these courses, Instagram articles, and podcasts. Oh, so amazing. Thank you so much for that review. That is just so great. If you want to check out the course that she took the epidural series, so you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and just click on the epidural series to learn more. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. Well, I do want to hear, AJ, can you share any memorable moments that you've had over your past eight years? You've been a one-year, an L&D nurse for one year longer than I have. I've been in for okay. seven years, but we graduated the same. I was 2013 too, graduated in 2013 okay. and I was in the ER. So you have one more year of experience than I do in L&D, <laughs> which I mean, doesn't really mean anything, but do you have any memorable moments that maybe just a 
a few ones that you can share uh, from births that you've attended over the years. Yes. Crazy, heartwarming, you know, anything. So many, right? (laughs) I know, I know. Okay, let's start with one as a novice nurse. And I'm talking okay. very, very novice nurse. I was in orientation at the first hospital I worked at. And I was probably within the first week, maybe the second week, running around the front trying to find IV stuff because someone said, okay, you're going to start the next IV, right? Because you're still learning to do IVs and yeah. um, trying to perfect that. So I'm you know, here looking for my IV stuff and someone was walking in the front door and they are screaming, right? And I am like, okay, you know, like, I'm not here. It's not me because I'm just in orientation. And this woman is walking down the hallway in sweatpants, right? I think she was trying to make it up here as fast as she can. And she stops and she's like, and she grunts, right? And I look at the secretary. She looks at me and she goes, nurse, go. You know, so I run up to her and she had the baby in her sweatpants. Oh. So I had to. You know, like, what do I do? <laughs> you know, and at this point, there's so much going on at the time, but I remember getting her to the ground and like kind of then pulling the sweatpants down and the baby's there. And uh-huh. like, at that point, the OB runs in, but like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, what did I do? Did I do what I need to be doing? Because <laughs> one of those moments that are so exciting and yeah. like, you know. And I'm sure the baby, that- was the baby completely fine? Because they usually are when they come out that fast. Yeah, yeah. The baby was totally fine. Cool. And like, if ever like we had to get her up into a wheelchair, and she's like holding the baby, and like, yeah. went to, like you know, cord is still attached. Yeah. Like, oh, but I remember thinking, like, I don't know if I can do this because that was so intense. But then later, going home, being like, that was so awesome. Like, yeah, totally. You know, you, when are you ever going to see that? Right? No, never. Yeah, no other. Set. Maybe in the ER, ran, you yes. know, randomly, randomly. But yeah, right. And then another time at that same hospital, I had a patient that came in and she precepts right she didn't speak english very well and you know when someone's precepting you don't like precepting is when you deliver really quickly but when that happens you're not calling a translator like no you just do the best you can right right exactly and it wasn't like she didn't speak spanish i don't remember what language she spoke she was from somewhere in china and but it wasn't like mandarin Mm -hmm. but she delivered one baby Right. And we thought that that was it. Right. That, and then she's staring at us and she's still, you know, moaning and groaning and she points at her belly and then holds up two fingers. Oh. And we're like, oh dear, <laughs> <laughs> there's another one. So yeah. like, they didn't even ultrasound her. They took her right to the OR. To yeah, of course. Cause she knew, you, you know yeah. what that means. Like right. when she's, she said, uh, uh-uh, yeah. there's two in there. Yeah. So that was another one that was one of those exciting, super exciting moments. Another, I want to say heartwarming was actually the birth of my son. So let's I, talk about it. Yes. We have yes. plenty of time. So let's talk about it. So my son, his name is Bowen. He is three years old now. And my husband and I had him through surrogacy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever like had any episodes on. I have. I have a okay. few, a few. I've assisted with a few. And then I did have one where I was the primary nurse. So, so sweet. Like, so, oh yeah, my gosh. Such a beautiful thing. Yes. And like for anyone who is a surrogate out there, that is in my head, that is the most amazing thing you can ever do for someone. Agreed. Agreed. You know, like I didn't say that's even more than like giving an organ because you're giving <laughs> someone like you're helping someone like complete them, the, complete yes. their lives and like give them this baby. I don't know. It's just the most amazing thing to me. But we went on this journey with surrogacy and 
it took a long, long time. It took three years for us to have, wow. have our son. And we, you know, we had a few losses along the way. We had a loss at like 11 weeks. And then we also mm-hmm. had a loss of twins. Wow. And that was really rough. Yeah, and so sure. when my son was born, it was an emotional roller coaster. And I'm sure you could relate to this, but there is something called the nurse curse. Oh no, what happened? Tell me. Uh, <laughs> so with LD nurses, for some reason, not all of them, but you know, there just tends to be a thing that happens to the LD nurses when they have their babies. It's just yeah. dramatic. And I don't know why. Because you would yeah. think we'd go in there like we know what's going on yeah. and we know what to expect, but just things, it's those anomalies that happen. Mm-hmm. So our surrogate, so amazing. She was induced an elevated blood pressure. She was 38 weeks and she had a second elevated blood pressure. And then they said, let's go ahead and induce her. You know, this yeah. baby is measuring kind of big too. So they started her induction. Everything went so perfect. The whole induction went so great. She progressed so quickly. This was not her first child. Mm-hmm. But then when he started to come out, first of all, okay, so <laughs> my husband is white. And I'm mm-hmm. Indian. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time thought that he was from my sperm, because what we did is we kind of mixed it up and took it a chance to see who oh, sperm chance. was going to take. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we put one embryo of mine in and one embryo of my husband's in and then said, you know, like, whoever takes Find it, it we could end up, yeah. we, could end up, we could end up with twins because that yeah. does happen. But we were, we were seeing the head come out and it was a blonde head. <laughs> we did okay. right then. Like, all right. So, this is, you know, my, <laughs> my husband's DNA. Yeah. But then I remember thinking my husband was an 11 pound baby and his sister was an 11 pound baby. And I was like, Oh no. Uh-oh. So he starts to come out and you know, when the hat comes out and then it turtles back, uh-huh. you know, it was doing that. Uh-huh. So, and it was a long head. Like I remember thinking like, God, it's such a long head. I'm in the room with my husband. We're holding her legs and I'm trying really hard not to be the nurse. Right. Yeah. And then I see that happen and I turn around and we have baby emergency buttons. Uh-huh. I went ahead and pushed it myself. Yeah. <laughs> and sure. we have, and my, one of my really, really good friends, she's one of my like best friends at work. Jasenia is her name. She was our primary nurse and she stayed late that night. She was only supposed to work till seven. She stayed until he was born. till like when he was born right before midnight, she stayed and <laughs> she kind of like gave me a look like, what are you doing? Like, you know? Mm-hmm. But I pushed the button because I knew I just saw it and I knew it was going to be a shoulder and it yeah. was. So he was a shoulder dystocia, which is a very scary situation. Oh. And he was like a bad shoulder dystocia. You know, like, oh, there's no. like those that like legs yep. go back. Yeah, we're fine. They do, you know, the McRoberts and they get the shoulder out. They do the super pubic pressure. Yeah. And the shoulder pops out and it's fine. And that wasn't working. They were having to go to secondary and, you know, and like ah. the, the other maneuvers and like the corkscrew. And I was like, oh no, you know, in my head. Like, I'm going to pass out. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't see him born. <laughs> uh, no, I'm t- I would have been like this, like closing my eyes. Like, oh, if that was my baby. Oh. So I grabbed my husband. I pushed the button because I knew the rest of the team was going to come in, like yeah. Nikki and all that. Yeah. And I grabbed my husband and I said, let's go, like, move out of the way. And yeah. we were, our circuit was delivering in one room. And we had the next room next to her reserve. And there was a closet in between. Okay. You could go in between the two rooms. Okay. You know, they had a shared like utility closet or shared closet between. Mm -hmm. So I like pulled him into like that closet. Funny thing, because we're gay, right? (laughs) I pulled him back into the closet, right? And I said, we have to move out of the way. And so, and then my son came out and we didn't even see him born. 
But I heard he came out and we were, I remember them calling the time that he was born mm-hmm. and not hearing a cry and just like feeling my whole world fall apart, you know, yeah. just like everything. But it was like, you know, it was only like a few seconds, right? But you're wanting that cry right But it feels right like away. a freaking hour. Turn, yeah. Exactly. And then I hear him cry and I, as like your own child, I don't even know how to describe it, but like I lost sensation of my whole body. I fell to the ground. You know, my husband is holding me and my husband had an Achilles, like he had an Achilles surgery. So he was in like this little like, oh no, Captain Hook kind of thing. And yeah. He's trying to take care of me while I'm on the ground. So dramatic, but oh god, <laughs> he ended up being okay. But and he was fine. I mean, he came out like so. Like we call them stun babies. So when they come out, they're kind of stunned and like their arms aren't really moving and they're like not as reactive. But he's crying. Yeah. And I remember just like grabbing his arms, like so he was brought to the warmer, and I pushed my friend out of the way who's taking yeah. care of him, and I'm drawing. <laughs> like, I'm let drawing, me get in. Yeah. I'm trying to like stimulate him and I'm like, come on, baby, come on, baby, you're okay. You know, like grabbing his arms, trying to check his reflexes. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> my friend just was like, he's okay. You guys are fine. You know, like, let me put him on your chest. So he yeah. died to skin to skin with him. And yeah, I got to ask, how big was he? Was he huge? 9-11. Okay. That's perfect. So, that's yeah, perfect. So not 11 a pound baby. Yeah. 9-11. But yeah. he's big. Yeah. But then our, our poor surrogate, she had retained placenta afterwards. Oh. Oh, so they had to like rush her to the OR and they were going to have to do a hysterectomy, but they were able to, to save that. And as she was leaving the room, so I rushed over there to like see her and she's like, she was planning to have another one for us after. And she was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to care for you again. I'm so sorry. Like that's what her, like her thoughts were. And I'm like, yeah, was so apologized to me. And I was like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like you did, you know, like, please don't apologize to me. Like I'm crying and like, oh. And, but she went on to be a surrogate again. She didn't do it for us because we decided that wasn't what yeah. we were going to do. And we had another baby when we yeah. adopted our daughter because that okay. kind of happened really quickly. But, but yeah, so that was an amazing story that I feel like as a labor and delivery nurse, it's one of those things that like I was able to appreciate through the eyes of an L&D nurse, but also as a parent at the same time. Yeah but not the patient, you know? So, yeah, I think it changes. I mean, it's different, obviously when you're not going through it as the patient, but I think it naturally becoming a parent changes your practice. I mean, I feel like it's changed mine tremendously in such a beneficial way. Like as of, you know, doing postpartum teaching now, right? Like you, Mm -hmm. you have like the the by the book that you're trying to teach them, but then you also have like, but in reality, this is what's going to happen. Like like, don't use this, but actually this is like, I always say you can still do the suction, you know, just use a suction bowl, but I have this thing called a nose Frida and that thing works way better. I know it's kind of gross, but they have the automatic ones. It's like, don't even mess with the bulb. Like I know we use the bulb here, but. (laughs) Or when we tell the patient, like, you're going to sleep when the baby sleeps. Yeah. And now, and now I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not a thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that, but that's not a thing. You're not going to sleep. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is too funny. Well, AJ, if you don't mind wrapping up this episode, do you have any advice that you would give to a first time mom that's about to give birth? We have a lot of second time moms and third time moms and yes. whatever time moms, but a lot of first time moms listen to this episode. So let's say, do you have any advice for them? First time's mom. I have two things of advice, actually. Okay. 
When you go in for an induction and someone's telling you you're being induced, anticipate three days. I'm sorry. I know that Good that's advice. like, yes. <laughs> they tell you like, you know, it could be anywhere from 12 to 24 hours. No. <laughs> Go yes. in there with a mindset that it might take three days long so that when it does take two days, you're like, oh, it happened sooner, you know? Very good advice. Because yes. I've seen inductions go that long before. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's something you need to keep in mind that this is not going to be a quick thing. Another yeah. really important advice I think for anyone would be no labor is the same. Your labor is not going to be the same as your best friends. It's not going to be the same as your sisters. So when you go in there with that mindset of your labor going to replicate theirs, you're going to get disappointed. You know, you have to own that your labor story is your story. It's individual to you and no one's is the same. And so whether or not you get to deliver vaginally or whether you have a C-section, it's a success. Mm-hmm. The right. fact that you are given your healthy baby in your arms is a success. You did not fail because you had a C-section. There's no failure in that. You carry that baby and that itself is such an amazing thing that you are carrying that child and you brought a healthy baby into this world. You did your job. Yes, you did. absolutely. Part of your job isn't to just deliver the baby. You know, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Right. And so when people say like, oh, I failed, I had a C-section. You did not fail. Mm-mm. You did your best. Or maybe you didn't even get a chance to labor because it wasn't in the, you know, in the it cars, wasn't part of right. your story. Exactly. Right. Right. So Love I think it. for people to go into there knowing that my story is going to be my story. And it's not going to be like so-and-so's. It's so important to know. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. If people, if anybody wants to follow along, do you have an Instagram that you want to share? So anybody yes. can see your cute so, kiddos? <laughs> <laughs> my handle is to Ajit to quit. So my real name is Ajit, but I go by AJ. So that's the number two uh-huh. and then A-J-I-T and then the number two again and then quit, Q-U-I-T. So cool. to Ajit to quit. like the cool. old. <laughs> Love it. No, I love it. I love it. Well, we'll put that in the show notes for people, a little link for people to click on to if they can't, if they can't spell it out. <laughs> so you could just yes. click in the and show notes. <laughs> Hopefully I will start putting up some other things as I am in school. I'm finishing my psychiatric nurse practitioner right ah, now. Oh, cool. And I plan to do that in the future, kind of switch fields, but my plan is to work with postpartum depression. So love it. Such a needed stay tuned. Area. Yes. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was fabulous. I think we had such a fabulous conversation. So it was a pleasure. Right. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.